Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Love Talk Radio. If you hear police sirens in the back, don't worry about it. They're not coming after me. I am safe. You won't hear any helicopters coming down from the rooftop. You won't hear me all suddenly go silent and uh, out the door and thank you for everything. No, don't worry. Everything's going. People, what's happening in the world? Well, we already know what's happening in the world. There's a lot of things we're going to touch. We're going to talk on here. Lots of societal things, domestic, international. We're going to touch on a little entertainment here. I'm sure uh, everybody has seen uh, the Lone Ranger. But anyway. Uh, how are you guys doing out there? You know the number to reach out to me. Uh, let's see here. The number is 646-595-2892. 646-595-2892. Or if you want to come to me in the chat room, feel free. Um, if you're online, you probably definitely can hear me. And a lot of times I do take questions over the chat. I haven't been able to the last couple of weeks because we've tried to cover so much and I have so many things coming over the chat line. So what we'll probably start doing is compiling questions and things like that. And as usual, I tend to block the conversations so that people aren't arguing with each other, which I have seen quite often. I want to give also a special thanks to all you guys and ladies and children and grown folks who's out there been listening to the show. I didn't realize how many people had us on RSS um, downloads. I didn't realize how many people were actually downloading the episodes until I go in, you know, online to check our numbers. And, you know, I'm hoping to reach, you know, one mind to make a difference or to plant the seeds of making a difference. But when I see hundreds and hundreds of people listening, you know, I want to thank you guys for taking the time to sit down and listen to what I have to say and 
Hopefully I'm answering some questions you may have. Hopefully I'm touching some subjects that you may be in- involved, you may be interested in and want to cover. I try to keep it fair and balanced. A couple of years ago, I always say, I remember a specific show where I said, you know, I, I, you know, I, I'm Congolese, but it doesn't mean I'm talking about Congo all the time, where it's like, oh, my God, he's doing a whole show on Congo again. Ah, right? So I try, always try to have that balance because a lot of things are important to me, and you can easily be consumed by what you're focusing on, and it's really liberation of my country, but also liberation of the minds of the children because they are the future. And another thing, a um, little request for you guys out there, a lot of you guys who are listening, y'all are doing some great stuff out there in the communities, I'm sure. I don't really care where you are. If you're in the United States, Canada, Europe, Africa, Australia, if you're hearing the show and you want me to profile of, you know, what you're doing, send me an email. You know, send me an email on Blog Talk, you can find it there, or send me an email at saeeddabinga at gmail.com, S-A-I-D, D as in David, I, B as in Bob, I, N as in Nancy, G-A, over at uh, gmail.com, or you can find me on Facebook. You can also look for the Congo Move. You can find me there or Saeed at com. I believe my email is actually on this page on uh, Blog Talk. And that's Saeed at B as in boy, A, Y, I, N as in Nancy, D as in David, O, G as in group, R, O, U, P as in Paul, dot com. Send me an email. Let me know. I, I, I would love to interview. I really love spot, you know spotlighting people who are doing things in the community. Your teaching, advocacy, uh, physical fitness, speaking, whatever you're doing. If you feel it's making a difference in the community, like it's like the, I think it's ABC News, the, the people of the week, well, I have my word on the street. Let's make sure the word on the street talks about what you're doing because all everybody's doing great things. Just because the media doesn't talk about it doesn't mean it doesn't make it any less great. So let's just, let's just keep this in mind and things like that, all right? So reach out, come to me, you know, let me know what's going on, give me a number, I'll call you, I'll interview for like 30 minutes, and you can put the show wherever you want, but I want to know what people are doing out there that they want, that I feel other people should know about it, you never know, I always say that someone knows someone that you need to know, I really believe that, alright, so keep that in mind, so let's get on with this here, let's get let's get down some business, we might go a little over today of what's happening, but people, the verdict came in, uh, George Zimmerman was found not guilty, we're talking about some domestic news here, was found not guilty of uh, second-degree murder and uh, manslaughter, and, you know, the reaction was to be expected. Some were uh, distraught over it. Some were, you know, ecstatic over that decision. And kind of interesting, you know, I don't know if it's Florida or what's going on down there. I mean, you have the Casey Anthony case and things like that where Kaylee Marie Anthony was, you know, murdered and no one paid for it. And it's kind of like this whole thing with, you know, with Zimmerman, and I think that's what a lot of people forget is, you know, it seems like the guilty are just getting, a, you know, I won't say, let, let, me, let me clarify that. It just seems like when someone dies, no one pays for it in any kind of way. So let's do it like this. All right, we're going to touch on a few things, so it's not going to be all Trayvon on uh, the show. But I definitely want to touch on it because it's very relevant. And I think it speaks to a lot of things, not just Facebook, but to a lot of things at large. Let's go back a year ago to Face the Nation with Bob Schaefer where they talked about the Trayvon Martin case and why it was so important, I believe, uh, um, Professor Dyson was on there. I believe Torre was on. There was another gentleman who was Casey. But let's go back. It's about 10 minutes, so please bear with me, and then we'll come forward, and then we'll touch some other things also, including the abortion law that was uh, passed in Texas. So, let's again, let's go back a year ago, Face the Nation with Bob Schaefer. From time to time with our new expanded format, we're going to bring in the reporters who break big stories. And we begin that today, I'm proud to say, with a CBS News correspondent, Mark Strassman of our Atlanta Bureau. 
He ran across a story in Florida in early March, it had actually happened in February, that he thought deserved more than just local attention than it was getting, and he brought it to the attention of CBS this morning. Here's his first report. There's a family inside this uh, quiet subdivision here, both grieving and frustrated. Their unarmed teenage son was killed here, and what they can't understand is why the gunman's still free when he is admitted pulling the trigger. He was lying right here. And Mark Strassman is with us here today. Uh, Mark, uh, what what caused you to notice this? I mean, you're you're watching things all across the South. You ran across this story. Nobody had done much about it. Yeah, you're right. It just sat there as a sort of a local Orlando story. It was a, a shooting of a teenager on a rainy Sunday night. And we got a phone call about 10 days after it happened from a, a guy who was aligned with the family. who was a contact of ours. It's our producer, Chris St. Peter, in our Atlanta bureau. And I, he said, please take a look at this. And he described it to us. And so we, we set up a conference call with Tracy Martin, Trayvon's father, and the attorney, Ben Crump. They walked us through the facts of the case, asked for the police report, contacted the Sanford Police Department, and essentially this was just a story that was crying out for a second look, and we came along and gave it one. And, of course, you did the story, and then the wire services caught on, mm -hmm. and before you know it, it became the national Huge. story yeah. that we had. And it was uh, during this week, of course, that uh, we saw the uh, third-degree murder charge uh, filed uh, against uh, Mr. Zimmerman. And uh, so we'll see where the, the thing goes from here. Jack Ford is our uh, uh, legal analyst for CBS News. He's in Philadelphia this morning. Uh, I want to ask you, Jack, uh, just from a legal standpoint, uh, this looks to me like it might be a very difficult case to prove. It's difficult, Bob, for the, for the prosecution. First of all, the prosecutor always has the burden of proof in any case. But here, the, the burden of proof is essentially multiplied because not only does the prosecution have to prove the elements of a second-degree murder. Remember, there's no premeditation alleged here. That would make it first-degree murder. But second-degree murder is essentially you wanted to hurt somebody. You didn't want to kill them, but you wanted to hurt them so badly that they died. So the prosecution has to prove all of those elements. Plus, you introduce this, this interesting law that the state of Florida has. A number of states actually have them now, the Stand Your Ground Law, which essentially says you don't have to retreat on the street. They made it similar to your house. Inside your house, Bob, if somebody breaks in, you don't have to run out the back door. You can use deadly force to defend yourself and your house. Well, Florida says the same thing on the street. You don't have to retreat if there's a reasonable fear for your own safety before you use deadly force. So now the prosecution has to deal with that combination of factors here that the defense has said that they're going to bring up. So there's a lot going to be taking place in this side, inside this courtroom if indeed they get that far. We want to uh, broaden this discussion out uh, to two men who have uh, already spoken out for it in various forums. Georgetown University's Michael Eric Dyson, who has been our guest uh, many times on this broadcast. He's a professor and author, and Time Magazine columnist Torrey. Uh, Michael, uh, first to you, why should we be talking about this this morning? Well, first of all, an egregious offense against, uh, criminal, uh, against justice has occurred. An unarmed young man with only Skittles and iced tea in his hand is walking back to the uh, gated community of which his father and his uh, fiance uh, are at home and he's returning home and he is assaulted and murdered. We know he's murdered. Uh, as Jack Ford just indicated, we don't know the events surrounding, but what we do know is that we have 9-11 tapes of this man pursuing this young man and thinking certain things about him so that the collection of stereotypes that prevail he looks like he's up to no good he looks as if he's suspicious give us a cue that there's a racial animus at work here and roiling beneath the surface 
is a collection of viewpoints that have informed his understanding of this young man and then urges and motivates him to take action despite the fact that the police have indicated to him that he shouldn't pursue it, which indicates to us that many white Americans, or at least non-African American people, take police uh, orders as recommendations, whereas many African American people take them as law. Right, uh, but to that same point, this has become like the O.J. Simpson case in that we see the racial divide. We see two Americans at work where black America is experiencing tremendous pain because of the situation, not simply because uh, you know, a boy was dehumanized and his body destroyed and then you know, the local justice system shrugged, but then we had to scream so loud and so long just to get the powers that be, just to take a serious look at whether or not we should have the justice system involved in this. And then we had to have Trayvon Martin and his family prove to be almost perfect Americans, right, with an almost blemishless past, right? And his parents had to be right. strong and show that they had character and seem that they were together so this is not another broken black family. And if we didn't have all that, right. then we would right. not be I interrogating for justice in this country. Right. Uh, let me just uh, be the devil's advocate here right. and say, is it possible that this, as tragic as it was, that this was just a case of, of mistaken identity. Oftentimes, well, well, when people have guns, uh, they make mistakes. Surely it is, it is a case of mistaken identity in that an innocent black boy who's walking right. home is viewed as a criminal, as if being a criminal and a young black man are synonymous which, of course, is not the case. Right, and, and let's look at the predictability of the pattern here. It is not the case that young white men in hoodies have been assaulted or who are dressed of the inappropriate fashion. D don't forget, Bob, that dress for African-American people has always signified beyond fashion or sartorial splendor. How we dress is an indication of where we stand in society. Remember, right after slavery, black people got dressed in extravagant fashion, and that caused great resentment uh, to, uh, for white Americans who believed that black people were being uppity because they were trying to outdress their status. Now it is the case that whatever hoods we wear, sagging pants, those become part of the folklore of American racism because it now signifies to white America that this is a hood, this is a thug. And the suspicion that is cast, not only on Trayvon Martin, look at the President of the United States of America. Here's a guy who did it the right way. He went to Harvard, he's the President. Look at the, the ready, the, the, the steady stream he's, of racism and bigotry. Stereotypes that prevail, right? I'm afraid of him. And, he's a, he's a moron. He's an orangutan. He's an animal. Look at all of that. And we see that. I mean, we see that when George Zimmerman is talking to the 911 right. operator, he's threatening. He's on drugs. He's got his hand in his pants. Ergo, he's got a gun. So, and, and we see this constantly that young black men are viewed as threatening, something to be feared, on drugs. They're out of their mind. They're dehumanized. Right. Quickly, and this is profiling, which you know, which Angela Corey right. noted right away. So yes, it is mistaken identity in that you're mistaken an innocent person for a criminal. Absolutely. The other, that's that's America's history, and Sanford, the history too, had been there had been a lot of suspicion by the minority community in Sanford toward the police department. A couple of years ago, a homeless black man had been beaten up on videotape for three weeks. Nobody was arrested, and it turned out the assailant was the police lieutenant's son with a Sanford PD. So there was change at the top of Sanford PD, and now here you have the new chief who's dealing with many of the same issues that the old chief had to deal with, that is, these racial tensions that have existed in this town, um, and that is where we are today. And Jack Bob Ford, let mm -hmm. me ask you, uh, what happens if uh, you get a not guilty in this case? 
Well, there are a number of ways that that could happen, Bob. One is that, indeed, the defense prevails on this argument. And as Michael said, we don't know what the facts are yet, and it's always dangerous to speculate. But if they walk into a courtroom, and not guilty can happen two ways, Bob. There's an extra layer in the process in Florida here. Before they go to trial, George Zimmerman is entitled to a hearing in front of a judge, a judge, not a jury. And if that judge determines, based on, on the facts, that, indeed, he had a reasonable fear for his safety, and that the stand-your-ground defense applies, that judge can throw the case out completely before it ever gets to a trial. Let me ask so you, have you that possibility, and then a trial also is a possibility for a not guilty person. Do you think there's a possibility that they may, as they say in court, plead him down, they charge him with a murder charge, and, and if he would agree to a manslaughter charge, uh, you know, then, then there wouldn't... Uh, be a jury, it wouldn't go to the jury. You know, they, they certainly certainly have to look at it. You know, as a prosecutor, you charge the highest count you think you can prove, but sometimes it gives you room to negotiate. As a defense attorney, you might look at this and say, we've got a real good shot at a not guilty here, but if I'm wrong and we lose and you're convicted of murder too, you're going away for at least 25 years. That's a, a recipe for discussion, Bob. But, but, but both look, sides together and starts talk right. about, is there something in between we can do here? But look at the role of race even in this. The collection of evidence has been infected by the virus of racism because it was presumed that Trayvon was the guilty partner here. Mm -hmm. We didn't look perhaps at the angle of the, the bullet from the gun, a paraffin test on Mr. Zimmerman. The collection of evidence itself has been so contaminated by the pre-existing conditions of racism that we can't even collect enough proof to prove, perhaps, if this is the case, that Mr. Zimmerman acted with reckless disregard for this young man's life. I mean, Tr Trayvon has tested toxicology to see right. if he's on drugs that Absolutely. night, and, and George Zimmerman is not right away. But, I mean, if this is found not guilty, there will be tremendous lasting pain, at least in black sure. America, behind the situation. It will be a scar on the soul of America. Mm. All right. Well, I want to thank all of you, and uh, Mark, thanks again for getting this story out where people can see it. Sure. And here we are, <laughs> a year later, and we heard what went down. Some CBS News some time ago, uh, Scott Riley, I believe, uh, no, I'm sorry, Scott Healy, he talked to the Sanford mayor on tension over the Martin case, because, again, you know, the verdict came in yesterday. And I think this goes beyond, I can, I can look at it from the, the angle of race, I can look at the angle of injustice, I can look at the angle of just outright murder. And, you know, the stand-your-ground law has resulted in many people being killed. I mean, it's amazing how many people, for example, we have, uh, I believe her name is Marissa Alexander. I believe that's her name. I have to verify the name, but I believe it's Marissa Alexander. This past May, she had an abusive husband, and she was being abused, and she got the gun and shot in the air in the house to stop her husband from abusing her. She was arrested. She claimed um, she used the stand your ground defense. Mind you, she was being abused and used a gun to defend herself, according to the testimony the evidence gathered. Shot into the air. This past May, she was the judge didn't allow her, denied her claim of self def of, of stand your ground or self defense. Sentenced her to 20 years in prison. 20 years in prison. Now, I, I, again, people are wondering: Is there something in the water down there? Or I mean, stand your ground. I believe is in, a, is in about 24 states now, something like that. She was sentenced to 20 years in prison for shooting her gun in the air. She's a black woman. Okay, let's let's get this correct here. She's a black woman shooting her gun in the air to stop her husband from abusing her. She didn't shoot him. 
She shot into the air, and a judge denied her stand the ground um, defense and sentenced her to 20 years in prison. You can best believe it's going to be an appellate court sometime soon because it, it won't stand. But I asked again, where's the outrage for that among black folks and women? On top of that, the, the, the women coalitions that are out there that speak on abuse, where, where, where are their voices on that situation? Now we have another case where stand your ground. A black male was harassing these kids in Florida. Um, the father of one of the kids, uh, an eight-year-old girl, her father came and approached the man about harassing the kids, which was including his daughter. It was an Anglo man, the father, white man, came up. The black guy pulled out a gun and shot him dead in front of his eight-year-old daughter. The daughter, I believe, is still traumatized by that experience. It was a black man that shot the white man. Stand your ground. So maybe I understand what Zimmerman's lawyer is talking about. Well, if he is Zimmerman having black, this wouldn't happen. You know, I understand what he may be thinking and trying to say, but I think it's still very insensitive. This is stand your ground, just affecting people. Because remember, it's not just if you, you know, you don't have to run. So if you think I'm going to do something to you, you can shoot me, gun me down, stand your ground. There you go. Now, there's a little secret about stand your ground, but when it comes to Florida that I'll talk about in a moment. But I want to get one more segment in here. And then we'll do a little tribute to uh, Trayvon. But I also want to do a little one to um because I think it would be remiss if we don't give some love to uh, Casey, you know, Kaylee Marie Anthony because I think she's been forgotten this whole thing of one of Casey Anthony being found not guilty for her his daughter her daughter's murder. So let's get another piece here at CBS Evening News with uh, Scott Peely. He was talking to Sanford Mayor on tensions over Trayvon Martin. Uh, Sanford isn't exactly the most lovely place for those of the wrong persuasion. Jackie Robinson, I believe, was discriminated back then during this whole situation. And also, um, you heard the case about the home of the black man who was who was uh, beat up and trying to be the police chief's um, son. Uh, Stanford, I believe, is 78% Anglo, 17% Latino, and I think 15% black. I know my math is a little off, but it's kind of like that. And there's been a history of, of stress and trauma down there to folks when it comes to police. But let's get this interview in spot three minutes. What happened on a rainy night last month in Sanford, Florida, has reignited national debates on race and on self-defense. A neighborhood watch captain shot and killed an unarmed teenager. He has not been charged, based on a Florida law that allows anyone to defend himself with deadly force. Today, the police chief in Sanford stepped down, at least temporarily, and this evening, as you can see, Several hundred protesters have gathered in Fort Mellon Park. Some of them are demanding the arrest of that neighborhood watch captain. Mark Strassman is in the park this evening with new reporting and an important interview. Mark? Scott, uh, by the time this rally uh, begins, as many as 10,000 people could be demanding an arrest uh, at this evening's rally. Last night, the Sanford City Commission voted no confidence in Police Chief Bill Lee and his temporary leave today is the most visible step yet to defuse tensions here. I do this in the hopes of restoring some semblance of calm to the city, which has been in turmoil for several weeks. Trayvon Martin, an unarmed 17-year-old, was shot dead by George Zimmerman, a neighborhood watch volunteer last month. Zimmerman was not charged, and at the heart of the controversy, did race play a role in the police investigation? Jeff Triplett is Sanford's mayor. When I check my heart, I have to say that, that, that I don't have confidence in the way it was handled. And when I heard that, that uh, Zimmerman was not arrested, I put my head in my hands. 
A source close to the investigation tells us police did not arrest Zimmerman because initial evidence supported his claim of self-defense. For example, his face was bloodied and bruised. CBS News has learned detectives interviewed Zimmerman for five hours the night of the shooting and again the following day at a reenactment of the incident. Relations between Sanford police and its black community were strained well before Martin's shooting. In 2010, this black homeless man was knocked unconscious as he tried to stop a fight. His white attacker, the son of a Sanford police lieutenant, was in charge for three weeks. Mayor Triplett says Zimmerman should also have been arrested. Did you feel the case was investigated with appropriate vigor from the beginning? And if not, is race a factor in what, how it did happen? When there's strained trust, there's always that doubt, that conspiracy theory, that doubt that everything was done that, that could have been done. I still have my questions as to why he's not in jail. But I, we've only seen a very small piece of the puzzle. Trayvon Martin's family met with Department of Justice officials today looking into a possible hate crime. They were told to be patient, that a thorough investigation could take time. And Scott, the local grand jury won't meet here until April 10th. Mark, you've been talking to the investigators there today. What do they think about Zimmerman? I think he's being cooperative. Um, they say he has passed a, a voice stress test, but will probably take another one. There are a number of pieces of evidence that seem to support his a contention that he fired in self-defense, but they also say that Zimmerman has to live in a safe house, Scott. He is facing a number of death threats. Mark, thanks very much. And that's how they go. You know, we know what the verdict is and things like that, and let's put it this way. I think what's going on here is just people just can't see other people's point of view and I think what hurts people the most, regardless of what your feeling may be, is when you've been subjected with your black, Latino, poor, Anglo, just poor, whatever. I just feel that, most people feel that when you've been subjected to so much injustice, everywhere you look, in almost every arena you exist, and each time you put your faith that justice will prevail and it seems like it's denied, it just makes you question a little more. You know, I got a call from one of my uh, young Latino students, one of my law students, uh, last night. You know, called me and she, you know, she was saying that she just wants to make sure that I tell people that, you know, the Mexicans love black folk because she was ashamed that Zimmerman was claiming to be Latino, Hispanic, whatever. I mean, this was, I mean, literally, this was last night, and it, was, it really moved me. And she, I could hear her crying, and she just wanted to make sure that was known because she understands what the struggle's about. And then, conversely, 20 minutes later, I got a call, actually I got a text message from another student of mine in tech, um, IT class. No, yeah, IT class. And then the one from finance, they're kind of their best friends, asking me why is it Latino, she goes, you know, why do Latinos want to kill us? Because she saw the case that took place in L.A. a couple weeks ago that was um, brought to court where there was apparent harassment of black families in a Latino neighborhood or whatever by uh, members of the gang down there and the police force itself and things like that. And the thing that is really interesting that, you know, living in Boston and living back on the you know the East Coast and going to New York, you couldn't even think of strife between the Latinos and the blacks. I mean, it, it, even now, I, I just can't picture, I mean, I literally can't picture it. It's almost, I mean, there was issues of racism in Boston, don't get me wrong, in New York, but it's just, when, I'll put like this, when a lot of my Latino friends come to L.A., they're stunned by the lack of unity by the two communities. 
And that was my that was my immediate concern when it came to this case in Florida in terms of how this going to affect the Black Latino situation because one of the because he was identifying himself as Hispanic. Now I was kind of curious why he's done it because from what I understand he's never done it before. His mother's Peruvian, I believe, and his father's Anglo. I think a former judge, or whatever. But there was a lady on the juror, and they kept saying they don't know if she's black or Hispanic. And this this mutual exclusive of the other is really fascinating because. In Boston, if you're Dominican and dark-skinned, we just look at you as being Dominican. You might say, okay, yeah, you're black Dominican or whatever, but we just look at you like David Ortiz and Sosa. Well, I don't know about Samuel Sosa. I already been lighting himself up, but I don't know. But if you look at Zoe Zaldana or whomever, it's just very fascinating to hear this. We don't know if she's black. These are newscasters. We don't know if she's black or Hispanic. But to us, it's like, why can't she just be both? I mean, on the census or African, you see white Hispanic, but I guess it's unfathomable to think that they actually come in a darker persuasion. So this is very interesting, but we'll speak on this later as we close the show. But I want to do a little dedication to Trayvon and to all the people out there that have suffered injustice who aren't getting the media attention, regardless of the race, who aren't getting the protests and things like that. They're not getting nothing. So I want to give a little shout-out to them and do a little dedication here, uh, if you all don't mind. And we're going to go a little long today because we just have so much to cover. So let's have a Again, this is dedication to uh, Trayvon, little Kaylee, you know, and all the other the uh, the brother over at uh, Fruitville Station who was killed uh, years ago. Um, the brother's name escapes me at this moment. Uh, Mr. Grant, uh, Oscar Grant, took place back on December 31st, 2008, which is ironic. It was taking place, I believe, the week of President Obama's nomination, or when he secured the, um, the when he won the election. So again, this is a little shout out to all those folks. A little dedication of mine to all those folks.
Turn it off. Someone's son lies, di- lies dead in a field somewhere. Ugh, the pain, the pain, the pain. So that's our shout-out now. Let's get to you on some little domestic news before we go international. People, what is going on down in Texas? We talked about this last week. Let me hear it for yourself. They debated long into the night over sweeping new restrictions on abortion. This bill would preclude women receiving critical health care services because licensed abortion facilities would be closed. Well, we have not talked about the children and the babies enough in this debate. We just haven't. Tensions ran high on the Texas Senate floor and up above in the gallery. Four women protesting for abortion rights tried chaining themselves to the rails. One was successful, delaying debate for 10 minutes. Debate over the bill took place before an audience of abortion rights advocates wearing orange and abortion opponents clad in blue. A Capitol packed with activists cried shame after the Senate passed the bill. House Bill 2 is finally passed. Congratulations, Senator. It bans abortions after 20 weeks. It limits where and when women can take abortion-inducing pills. It requires doctors to have admitting privileges at nearby hospitals and allows abortions only at surgical centers. Supporters say it will make the procedure safer. This bill encourages abortion doctors to be more responsible and accountable to women. Opponents say the bill will force the closure of all but five abortion clinics in Texas. And those of us in the Senate should refuse to make this decision casually or quickly. After the session ended, Senator Wendy Davis, who gained fame after her filibuster helped block the last abortion bill, spoke to supporters outside. As Governor Ann Richards said when she ran for the governorship of this great state, for the principle that this capital belongs to the people and one day, hopefully soon, we're going to return it to the people. The bill now goes to Governor Rick Perry's desk and he's expected to sign it. John Moan Associated Press, Austin. All right. Now, I don't know what's happening here. I understand. Uh-oh, there's the police hours again, so hopefully they're not looking for me. Okay, yeah, they're fading off. <laughs> Anyways, wait a minute. Are they coming closer? Closer. Oh, going by the window. Okay, I can put the suitcase down. <laughs> but, you know, we got. I know some people, particularly our Catholic brothers and sisters, will say abortion is against, you know, God and and I know where a lot of people stand pro-life and um, anti-abortion and things, you know, those things and pro-abortion. I understand those. I understand the thing that gets me about the bill is that when the Democrats wanted to make amendments to the bill in reference to including rape and incense as exceptions to this rule, the Republican-controlled House or Senate message exactly how it was all broken down um, voted against it or wouldn't allow that measure to even be considered. If I have a correct, and that's very troubling to me because I don't know where it's, I don't know what's worse. My only situation is that does if the what's the father's role in this whole thing that got the woman pregnant in the first place? Now, if it's rape and incense, I mean, how can a law be passed where the woman is pretty much almost forced to do something against her will? I'm just not into telling a woman what to do with her body. And I'm not, talking, I'm not talking about from a religious point of view or anything like that. It's just I can't see myself. I understand, though, in the law, they want to make sure the facilities have more um, uh, more sanitary, more professional, 
Um, their standards are higher. I understand that. As a result of this bill, hundreds of abortion clinics will close down. Maybe some should close down because just just sanitary that they shouldn't be functioning. And it leaves about five abortion clinics in the entire state of Texas, which will probably force a lot of women to go underground or a lot of couples to go underground or across the state line. It's just for me, it's just the aspect of rape and incense is wasn't even allowed to be part of the bill as an exception really troubles me. And I don't think it's 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 one thing to say you're against something. It's another thing if you're not even able to uh, look at the or empathize with the other person, saying, you know, how would you feel if you, you were in that situation? I know the governor brought up, um, I believe her name was uh, Miss Davis, the, the, the state senator, who led the filibuster two weeks ago, and he talked about her as an example in reference to what she's accomplished. And he's saying that you never know what the unborn feed is when they're allowed to develop and grow into productive human beings. You never know what they may allow, what they may um, accomplish in society. I understand that. I understand that flow. I understand that point of view. Conversely, if she's a child of rape, why should the mother or why should the mother or what have you, the family, be forced to? Um, carry the child to term. Uh, it's it's very in, it's just very interesting on both sides, and I would just like for a compassionate discussion of the whole situation to take place. I just think it's just bizarre, it's just really bizarre. And I, I like to you know maybe we can do a word on this interview some people in this battle or what have you. But it's just you know what's it's just you know what's going to happen now. So again, the law the law was passed down there in Texas. You know, oh, but if you're wondering, wonder why you hear all this noise in the background, I'm literally on the roof of the building. I just like sometimes when I say live on location, we are live on location. I am literally on the roof of a building. You know, sometimes I do from the street. One time I did from the beach, and you heard all these boats in the background. People were digging it. They thought it was like ambient music. So we'll see. You know, I just think right now people need to spend the time to look and you know to walk in others and you know try to walk in another person's shoes or. But I just think sometimes the argument is more about yelling at each other and not understanding. I mean, I think black folks now have a good idea how, you know, our Anglo brothers and sisters felt with the OJ verdict. But conversely, you know, people just want to see justice and whatever, you know, justice by the court system, not justice by the street. And it just seems like it's becoming a vigilante society in reference to guns. I have no problem with the people owning guns in their house, whatever. That's whatever. It's when it's just this whole argument of this. It just seems violence seems to be more prevalent. I mean, right after Sandy Hook, I believe it was Sandy Hook in Connecticut, what have you. You know, you saw the promotional for Arnold Schwarzenegger's movie, and you see uh, Rest in PD, and you see the one with um, Wahlberg and uh, Denzel Washington, and you see all these posts all you see is guns. You know, I want to see movies that have to do with love. You know, you know, compassion or helping the fellow person because it's true. You know, if an alien, like Ronald Reagan said, if an alien invasion came down, we'd all forget color very quickly and just think about who, how we're connected. So, let's take a little musical break. Continue on some international music. Uh, international music. We'll continue on with some international news, and then we'll come back uh, a, a little. We'll come back with some international flavor and. Uh, it's been a crazy week. That's all I can say. And I hope you guys out there are really looking forward to really making a difference of what's happening out there because you sometimes wonder, you know, you know, when's the other foot, when's the other shoe gonna drop? Now let's get on to some a little a little musical break and we'll continue on.
Number two, Grown Ups 2, come from Sony. Weekend gross is $42.5 million. This is his first week that has been released. It's coming at number two. Um, it's so far, again, we said $42.5 million. Cost $80 million to produce. That was his budget. Number three, this is very interesting. Pacific Rim, which I know a lot of people are waiting for from Warner Brothers, made $38.3 million on a budget of $190 million. People, you know my attitude about this. No movie should cost more than $200 million. No movie should cost more than $150 million. No movie should cost more than $100 million. I don't care if it's the life of God and Prince is doing the soundtrack live. And it's in 3D converted to IMAX. No, it makes no sense. Three thirty-eight point three million dollars came in number three, and this movie is getting a lot of hype on the internet. And this is what happened to it. And its, it's budget was a hundred and ninety million. I can't, I can't look at it anymore. Number four is The Heat from Fox, made fourteen million dollars. It's a drop of forty-three point five percent. Its total gross right now is a hundred and twelve million dollars. Actually, hundred twelve point three million dollars on a budget of forty three million dollars. Now, how is it a movie that has two real women in the in the lead? Uh, Sandra Bullock and I, the, the, his her co-star escapes me. Comes in at forty three million dollars, right? Pacific Rim comes in at a hundred ninety million dollar budget. Something's wrong with this picture here. Now, who do you think is making the profit? Mind you, the Heat is playing in about a hundred theaters less than Pacific Rim. Number five, the awesome, ridiculously great movie, pun intended, The Lone Ranger felt lonely at the box office. His weekend gross was $11.1 million. It dropped 61.9% from last week. His total gross right now is $71.1 million on a budget of $215 million. Someone needs to be shot. Oh, my God. <sighs> Anyways, let's continue on. Monsters University came uh, Buena Vista. They uh, also did The Lone Ranger, coming in at 10.6 uh, 10. million. Uh, total gross is 237.7 million dollars. It's fourth. It's been its fourth week in the theaters. Uh, budget's not available. World War Z from Paramount. I have to see that movie. Is that? I'm gonna see it quick. It's at 9.4 million dollars um, right now. Still playing about 3,000 theaters. Um, its total gross is 177. Million dollars, point, one hundred seventy-seven million dollars on a budget of one hundred ninety million. Yeah, these movies cost a lot because they have special effects, but the visual effects is being uh, industry is being decimated by all these tax incentives abroad. You know, Star Wars is doing their entire special effects in London. Was it Germany? Oh man. Anyways, number eight, White House Down from Sony came in at six point one million dollars. Total gross is sixty-two point nine million dollars. Yeah, it's down all right. On a budget of $150 million. Hollywood, here's an idea. Why don't you do a movie without people, spend $76 million, and after two weeks, you made $229 million. There you go. And at number nine, I believe my man Jeff Clanagan from Black Code is involved in this groove. It's Lionsgate. Kevin Hart, let me explain, made $5 million, a total gross of $26.3 million in its second week. It has a beautiful – I think it has uh, the highest screen average um, coming after Pacific Rim, Grown Ups, and The With Me. But those are multi-million dollar budgets. This one, I don't even think it had a big budget. But its per screen average is five is uh, $5,000, $5,605. That's a great average. And, in fact, it's, I believe it's expanding. 
It's only playing in 892 uh, screens, and they increased the screens by 16 more screens. And at number 10, congratulations, Jeff Clanagan. We'll make sure I give you some love. And number 10 is Man of Steel, $4.8 million. Uh, let's see. It's made so far $280 million on a budget of, wait for it, $225 million. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm just done. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. So that is the entertainment roundup. People International News, Congo has uh, reported that uh, President Kambila will be having a dialogue with the national uh, people in the community, the advocates, the social people, and stuff like that. So that should be very interesting what's going to come out of that. Also, the U.N. is going to be using unarmed vehicle drones uh, to surveillance eastern Congo, in reference to where the M23, who is being backed by Rwanda is doing massive damage, not just them, a few other folks are doing what they shouldn't be doing. So the UN will be using drones out there. That should be interesting because, well, that's another conversation that I'll keep off air. <laughs> but anyways, that's happening over there. Also, it's been uh, another thing has to do with our, the um, plane crash from last week. I, I was very heartbroken to hear about how people were making news. Uh, someone was going around making fun of the pilot's na- um, name. I'm not going to repeat it here. I'm not going to play a clip. But some intern... You know, didn't I say it the way it sounded? Not trying to be disparaging or anything like that. Didn't verify the names that was being reported. So when the names were read on air, it was it was supposed to be funny, but it wasn't funny, and I didn't like it because it was very offensive to my Korean brothers and my Asian brothers and people overall. And I just want to say it's very sad to see something like that that people think it's funny, and it just seems like the society is one side is hurting, the other side is laughing at the person's hurt. You know, you, it's just, it's just, uh, you know, you wonder what's going on here. So that was kind of sad. The international was there. Egypt is still in stasis. Uh, the Muslim Brotherhood is going uh, to be protesting more. Uh, President Obama is questioning now the involvement with, um, you know, Afghanistan. Maybe he's considering that they should pull out much sooner because there just doesn't seem to be an agreement by Karzai of what he wants to do with the Americans, reference to a partnership. You know, the guy's very corrupt. His brother's very corrupt. I don't know if his brother was murdered a couple years uh, last year, assassinated. Not too sure. But, you know, President Obama's getting frustrated what's happening over there in reference to, you know, security and what is Karzai's agenda. And I think Karzai is an unappreciated bitch. That's his attitude because he's always saying that the Americans need to do more. But it was the Americans that kind of helped him stay in power in reference and help fight that war. But at the same time, it asks the question in reference to where should America get involved in? You see what's happening in Syria. That's expanding now. There's fights within the Free Syrian Army where... These elements of Al-Qaeda assassinated their military commander of the FSA a couple of days ago. You've seen all these jihadists getting involved in Syria. The war is spreading across the border. You have Israel saying the Americans need to be more harshful on, on Iran. And my attitude is let them sort it out. That's just my attitude. You know, they, sometimes I think America's best stance should be you sort it out. You know, because the issues are back home. Where are the jobs for people? Education is becoming so expensive. Where are the jobs for people? You know, where is uh, the help with education? We'll, we'll get to immigration and maybe in another show. We don't have time today. We might go a little long today. But my thing is, where are the jobs? I know people who are hurting for work. These are qualified, went to school, have an educational background, have great work experience, can't find no work. You know, but the farm subsidies, subsidies get passed, but they take out money for food stamps, and there seems to be a war on women, there seems to be a war on the poor, there seems to be a war on blacks, and you know, what's going on here? And I think more people, as Karen Bass sort of used tragedy to get involved in the political process. 
I think more people need to get involved in the political process beyond voting. Run for office. A uh, young lady out here, so the six, she was a sixth grade teacher. She ran that platform. She, I believe she got elected to the city council. So I think if you're hearing my voice in the United States or you're abroad, get involved in the political process. Of course, you see our sister over in uh, Italy being harassed by some of the right wing in the Italian government who uh, one gentleman referred to her as looking like a monkey. So, you know, I think that was very, you know, that 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 was very interesting when you see those kinds of uh, hatred towards people of color in Italy. What's going on is that the person, uh, uh, one of the um, senators there is Congolese, and the right has been attacking her, talking about she looks like she's a villager, the way she wears the traditional things, and um, they, she looks um, like an orangutan and all kinds of things. And she responds with, with compassion and understanding, and she doesn't lash out. She's trying to change the laws over there where if children are born there before the age of 18, they get Italian citizenship. Italy has very strict citizenship requirements. The United States has the most lax in terms of uh, uh, industrial nations and things like that. So, um, but again, maybe we can maybe I can figure a way to get her on air to interview her from here, uh, our our senator over there in Italy. You know the guy who was the envoy to Sudan, the Anglo general for the United States. You know he was Congolese, spoke fluent Swahili. And it was, uh, Kambala had mentioned this some time ago. I can't remember why I heard him say it in an interview. But I believe the guy, he's a, I believe a four star general or two star or something like that. And the guy's Congolese. So I have to follow that guy's name and give him some love. Maybe we can get him on air and talk some business here and things like that. So that's a little bit of our international roundup. If there's something I've missed, you want me to cover next show? Let me, some, again, this, this, is, this is your phone. It's not just about me. This is your phone. What do you want me to cover? What do you want me to talk about? Let me know what's happening. I mean, it's your phone. I'm here for you guys. What do you want to talk about? What do you want news on? Is there a country you're from that you think should get more love? Bring it to me. Let me know what's up. So let's take another little break here. You know, I want to get some. I just want to keep it a little light today, a little music and things like that. So I hope you're enjoying the music, a little flow here. I want to go a little. Um, we're international. So let's go with international music here. I came across this cut from Ome Congo. What's up, Ome Congo? Came back from Mali doing some things. Came across this cut that had to do with Congo a couple of days ago, and uh, it had it was like you know the email said you know he was like forwarded to me it was like hey there's another song that has to do with Congo and I said to myself yeah okay so a lot of times you hear songs about Congo and and, and they suck because this is just reinforces the negativity and things like that it doesn't really say anything it's just it, it just sucks <laughs> whatnot so I said okay I'll give it a shout out whatever blah 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 and I played it the song was called uh, the song is called uh, in the Congo. And it's by, uh, you know, Rhyme Like a Girl featuring uh, Nasambu, a Kenyan sister and stuff like that. And I said, okay, I'll check it out, see what's up. So I played it. Yo, I got to give it up. It had, even now I'm getting chills. That song, and again, it's called In the Congo. Um, it's um, by uh, Rhyme Like a Girl featuring uh, uh, Nasambu. I believe she's based out here in L.A., not too sure. I believe she's the founder of Activate Africa. Um I play that, and yo, that cut, again, woo, that cut had a flavor of the 90s. In fact, let me be quiet. This is our international segment, so let's be international in our music here, and what I'll do is I'll give you a little sample, but for me, when I heard this jam, you know, I had to say to myself, like, yo, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. What's this flavor? Let me let you check it out. In the Congo, Rhyme Like a Girl, featuring the Sambu.
This music video highlights the main cause of rape and genocide in the eastern Congo region as a desperate scramble for the minerals that power every cell phone and cell phone and laptop. I like how they flow the eastern Congo region because the way Ben Affleck is describing the eastern Congo is like almost a separate it's like almost a separate country. So I like how the flow here when they lay in the lyrics here is the eastern Congo region. As you know, they make sure folks understand it's still part of the DRC overall. Anyways, let's continue on here. Produced and directed by Tanzanian Habadi Brothers, my Tanzanian folks. Tanzanian hip-hop guru Zavara Mpunjinka. Habadi, my friend, we're getting you on air, brother. We talk back and forth. Email, we're going to get you on air here. We're in the streets coming soon. Again, that's our ta- it's uh, produced and directed by our Tanzanian hip-hop guru Zavara Mpunjinka. The video features U.S. hip-hop ambassador Tony Blackman's collective Rhyme Like a Girl alongside California-based Kenyan Afro-soul artist and founder of Activate Africa, Nasambu. People, that's the collaborator right there. You got the you got the L.A. crew out here. You have the Kenyan crew over there. You have the Tanzania over, over there. And then it all comes together in the mix to give you DRC in the Congo. And that's what I'm talking That's the Pan-African African that I'm talking about. That's all it comes down to. And when I talk to this brother, Savara, you know, via email, he wants to do some. He wants to work with other Congolese artists. And you know, hey, let's give it up. Let's give it up. Let's give it up. That's what, that cut is ill. It's just so ill. Look, go online. Look for the video in the Congo. We're still working this out. I think he's still in Toronto at this time, so we're still trying to work this out. Get this interview online. We'll probably uh, we'll, uh, get him on the show. We're on the street. Make this happen. See what else he's doing. See if we can get uh, Ensemble in the, in the mix here and Tony uh, Tony Blackman's collective rhyme like a girl. I mean, they flowing. They, they flowing. Like I said, when I first heard it, it just had that. I was just getting chills. I thought it was a cut from the 90s when hip-hop and rap was like, yo, this is what's up. It was social. It was like rock him or it was like, you know, Tupac or whatever, what have you. You know, so I just love that cut. So go check it out. I don't know if it's on iTunes yet. Reach out to me. Maybe I can get you a copy or something like that. But we're working on getting him on air here. So people, let's wrap up the show here. I'll be remiss to mention that um, for my actor friends out there, Corey Montia's death, he was on Glee. Apparently, he was found dead in a hotel room after getting out of rehab a couple weeks ago, and that's tragic. He was only about 31, so I want to acknowledge his passing this week also. A lot of my actor friends are really moved by it, stunned by it. You know, you wonder what's going on with society. So, Corey, I hope you're resting in peace wherever you may be. So, on that note, people, let's get out of here. Saiga Kesses the Binga, the Society with Saiga Kesses the Binga. Next Sunday, I'll be coming again at you live, 7 o'clock. I'll be in San Diego Comic Con, line up some more interviews. I want to get a Shani and Chantel uh, on this groove uh, to do some stuff. I want, I'm still trying to get you, Kevin Grievous. I'm going to get you somehow, man. I'll have to stalk you. No, let me, let me take that back. You know. Oh, wait. We're in California. We're not in Florida. But I want to get him on here because this, this guy is doing comic books, graphic novels, film, has a film, I, Frankenstein, coming out. You know, I did want to get Omicongo back on the groove here. want to get a lot of people back on here. See if we can get Sabrina Moella on the line. She's doing her thing. And there's just a lot of great things going on. So, people, again, I want to say thank you for tuning in. Give me your time. Send me an email. What are you doing out there in the community? I want to give you some love. I want to give you some promotion. I want us to talk about it. I want us to do a word on the street talking about you. All right? So come talk to me. What I also do is next show, people are asking me about what responses were from the athletes in the, the, the athletes in the world regarding Trayvon and things like that. If I have some time, I'll read their comments. Or maybe I'll just do a word on the street specifically about the Trayvon situation, but expand it to include other things because why, you know, you're still wondering what exactly... You know, Robert Zimmerman is talking about, um, you know, what did, why did Trayvon get so angry to attack, I mean, attack my brother? That was, that was so uncalled for. That was so uncalled for. The question is, what did Trayvon do wrong to defend himself? The guy's running, running and hiding from some person that's following him 
who's not saying who he is. And the girl's on the phone saying, hey, look, you know, just run. He goes, no, I'm not going to run, you know, you know, at this guy. And then the last thing she hears is, is Trayvon saying, get off, which means someone grabbed him. So what did he do wrong? That's what people want to know. Let's not look at the race issue. Let's just look at the What did he do wrong? What did a young kid do wrong? You know, black, white, whatever. What did he do wrong or she do wrong to resolve being being shot? If I'm if someone's coming at me with a gun, I'm fighting for my life. That's it. That's the case closed. So let's take that. Let's have a discussion. But let's really try to hear each other and try to move forward. All right. On that note, since you know it was a '90s group and it was a '90s group with uh, in the Congo, go look for it, people. Go look for it. You know they're doing their things. I like this cut. I like it. Let's play in the '90s and uh, have Rakim take us out. People know the ledge. You got the juice. Sidekicks of the Benga live and direct. The society with Sidekicks of the Benga. People, I'm out of here. Peace and love. Stay blessed. Rule the world and don't deny your greatness. I'm gone. Got enough to go around, and the thought takes place uptown. I grew up on a sidewalk while on the street talking. They talk to all from York. I go to Queens for Queens to get the food from Brooklyn. They pony in Manhattan and never been took it. Go uptown to the Bronx and we'll be down the strong on the island. The cool for lay around. Time to build my juice back up. Pop that up. Suckers get smacked up. Don't doubt the clout. They know what I'm about. My elbow is all knocking it out. Shaking them up. Waking them up. Breaking them up. Breaking them up. Standing on shaky ground. Let's see if I know the ledge. Check the intellect and inspect the thighs. Select the 
best one. Pull to the side, keep her occupied for the rest of the ride. Read up my reservation, already cool. Just meet me after school. We can moon and groan until your mom come home. And you'll be calling me out, dope Capone. Sweat me. You didn't want to let me lose. Come get me. That's if you want to sip the juice. Cut the juice and wait me. So I take my gun off safety. There's a lot of blood safety coming out of the building. They set me up. Spray with automatics. They wet me up. And the puddle of blood. I lay close to the edge. I guess I didn't know the ledge. Good night. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.